Luke chapter number 2, I have a question that has probably crossed your mind. I know it has crossed my mind. And that question is this, that when the Lord Jesus' birth was announced, why was it that it was announced to the shepherds? You know, God does unusual things. He, he does. Uh, he uses unusual people. If you're looking for proof of that, I'm standing right here. But God has wisdom in all that He does. And if we can understand God's mind about it, I think we can learn some things related to why God spoke to them and what it's going to take for God to speak to us in our day-to-day lives. Luke chapter number 2, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, every one into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and let us see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you for the privilege it is to be in your house. I pray that you'd take your infallible and errant word, Lord, it's... It's full of unction. It's full of power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray you'd take it, Lord, that you'd do some cutting, some surgery in our lives. Father, that you'd uh, divide even asunder of the bone and the marrow. Lord, I pray that you would deal with us in the way that is most needful, both for our good and your glory. And I pray, Father, we'd have hearing ears tonight, listening hearts, and submitted spirits. We ask it in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Now, if I can for a few moments tonight, I want to do my best to strip away everything that's Christmas-like about this story from this story. Amen? What I want us to do is observe this story in the context of God delivering a message to human beings. Now, of course, we know that's what's taking place in this passage. And I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of strange things about Christmas. When you read the Christmas narrative, the very fact that God would walk amongst men, that's an unusual thing. 
The fact that uh, he would be born in a little town like Bethlehem. I mean, listen, he wasn't born in Rome and uh, he wasn't born in in Carthage and he wasn't born in uh, any of the other great cities of the world uh, at this time, but he was born in Bethlehem. That's an unusual thing. Uh, The fact that he was born, of course, of a virgin is uh, not just unusual, it is miraculous. And the fact that he was born to such unassuming means, I mean, the son uh, or the the, in the house, let's put it that way, of a carpenter and uh, his mother a a young woman. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of unusual things about the birth of the Savior. And I think sometimes when we examine this thought of the shepherds, God appeared to shepherds, the angels appeared to shepherds and delivered this heavenly message, it's easy to just chalk that up to another unusual thing about Christmas. But I believe when we examine a few characteristics about these shepherds, we'll learn that God had a reason for speaking to them. And can I make a statement to you before we get in the preaching tonight? When God speaks to a person, He has a reason both that He's speaking and for what He's saying and why He's talking to them. It's possible, listen, to sit in this service tonight and somebody not get a thing out of it and somebody two feet away from them, God, shake their spirit and soul and foundation. The reality is any time we hear the Word of God and it's faithfully uh, expounded and preached and we don't get help from it, it's not the Bible's fault. Amen? And I would even venture to say this at the risk of sounding like I'm giving myself some cover from fire. I don't even think it's the preacher's fault. And that's true whether it be me or another man of God. But the fact is when he, we hear the, the inestimable, powerful Word of God and it doesn't speak to us, there's no place we can place the blame but here. And as such, I think it behooves us to consider why God spoke to the shepherds and ask ourselves, do I carry these traits with me? And am I as good of an audience when God speaks to me as these shepherds were when heaven spoke to them? I want to give you three simple truths and we'll be done tonight. Let me say number one this evening. I believe that God spoke to them because they were observant beholders of what was taking place. In other words, let's put it this way. God speaks to those that listen. All through the Word of God, you'll find this exhortation given. And particularly in the book of Revelation, you'll find it over and over and over again said, He that hath ears to hear. And even the Lord Jesus spoke to those that were around Him and acknowledged that some of them, their ears had grown fat that they could not hear. They had grown callous to the truth that was presented to them. The reality is this. We have a lot more to do with what we get out of it than anybody else. Do we have listening ears tonight when the Word of God is presented? I would say that God spoke to them because He knew they would listen. And God does speak to those that He knows will listen. We think of Samuel of old. Hey, listen, why did God speak to Samuel? Because Samuel was listening for a voice. (laughs) Samuel was laying in bed. Whenever that voice spoke, he uh, perked up and his ears shot up and he listened. And he perceived what was being spoken to him. God speaks to those that listen. Notice three simple qualities that tell me they were observant beholders. Let me say, number one, they were responsible individuals. Verse number 8, the Bible says this is where God found them. They were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. We like to believe that we have to get in a real special condition for God to deal with us. But the fact of the matter is, God honors and rewards faithfulness. And if we'll be faithful for the task that is at hand, we'll find that, uh, listen, God in some ways is very unpredictable. In some ways, He's ever predictable. God meets with people in the place that they ought to be in. Let me say that again. I think you might have missed that. Hey, I'm glad He came to me when I was lost and undone. 
But after I've been born again, hey, God meets with people in the places they're supposed to be in. Why did God speak to Samuel? He is in the temple. And that's where God did His speaking in that day. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we have to be responsible. We have to set our hand to the task that is laid to it. And we need to be doing what we know to be doing, what we know we ought to be doing while we wait to hear something new. The truth of the matter is, a lot of us, and, and I'm not, listen, I promise I'm not here to fuss at folks that come in with a full belly when they could have stayed at home. Uh, but I will say this, a lot of folks don't get no help in the preaching because they don't sit under much of it. And you ain't gonna, listen, you ain't going to get much help unless you put yourself under the preaching of it. But even beyond that, as far as our daily life is concerned, and I found this to be true in my life, when I'm keeping deep communion with God, steady communion with God, God speaks to me in so many ways. When I am, am remaining in His Word and, and speaking to Him off through the day, I find that God all through the day, if I'm listening, He'll speak to me, not just at great momentous occasions, uh, but all throughout the day God will deal with me. Why? Because I'm where I ought to be. By the same token, when I'm not in the Word of God, uh, God sometimes has to turn the volume up, speak a little louder, get my attention. Sometimes He can't do it through Scripture. He has to do it through circumstances. But mark it down that God deals with those that are doing what they ought to be doing. And that doesn't mean that God throws people away when they get out. And that doesn't mean God is incapable of speaking to those uh, that are uh, uh, away from God and whose life is askew. But it is to say this. Let me remind you, the message that came from heaven that night was not a message of rebuke. It was a message of rejoicing. Uh, listen, I, I know my, my little boy at the age he's at, he probably, and I know he feels this way because I remember being little and feeling this way. All mom and daddy ever do is fuss at me. You, you remember feeling that way when you was little? Uh, don't you know that your parents sat there and said, all they ever do is not mind me, right? The fact is, if we'll mind the Lord, so much less of His dealings with us will have to be chastening, and so much more of it can be communion. They were responsible. They were where they were supposed to be. God had an appointment in that field that night. Uh, we ask the wrong questions sometimes, and, and I don't want to change what the Word of God says, even in the slightest, but I, I've had people ask me questions like this. They'll say, why did God choose the Jewish nation? And I always tell them, well, that's the wrong question. You've got to write, ask the right question get the right answer. God didn't choose the Jewish nation. God chose Abraham. And from Abraham came the Jewish nation. We look at this and these, we say, why the shepherds? Did it ever dawn on you that maybe the field was where God was showing up and the shepherds just happened to be abiding there? The fact is, when a person's where they ought to be, uh, then God can deal with them more readily if they're responsible. And we need to be responsible in our Christian walk. Uh, we, we have grown far too lax in our walk with the Lord. Just as, as, a, as, a, as a culture in modern-day Christianity, we, we live in a society today where everything works with our schedule, and we expect God to do it too. Uh, we live in a day, hey, listen, uh, watching TV is on demand. The microwave cooks things in 15 seconds. Uh, the car can start from inside the house. You don't even have to go out there early and warm it up. We live in a day where everything conforms to us and we're expecting God to do the same thing. And the reality is this, uh, it is not upon God to conform to us. It's upon us to be transformed according to His will. We need to be where we need to be for God to deal with us. And that's true concerning the preaching of the Word of God. It's true concerning communion and the uh, studying of the Word. And when I use the term communion, I mean it in the sense of, of fellowship. I don't mean of it in the sense of the Lord's table, although certainly we need to be mindful of it too. But I mean that uh, we need to be in fellowship with Him. And listen, as far as our heart's condition, we need to be willing to hear. When we get to a place that we're unwilling to listen, we won't hear. 
so many times in my life God has tried to deal with me and I just wouldn't hear what He had to say. Oftentimes because I didn't like what I knew He would say. And so I just turned Him off and quit listening. And when that happened, I don't know if God quit speaking or if I just quit hearing, but one way or the other it got awful quiet, spiritually speaking. We have to have an open connection. We have to be responsible. Let me give you a second thing. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Notice these next few words, And they were sore afraid. I don't suspect that there was a, a single shepherd with a theology degree in that field that night. I don't suspect that a single one of them had ever sat at the feet of a rabbinical teacher. But they understood instinctively that when God spoke, they were to be reverential towards the Word of God. In other words, when God spoke, it was worth paying attention to. I think oftentimes... I'm going to use this one, Nick, if you don't mind. This thing is humming on me. I think oftentimes in our life, we treat God's Word in a light way. I think oftentimes in, uh, in our life... Well, I don't know what it is if it ain't me. Amen. Uh, are these choir mics off? I think oftentimes in our life we treat the Word of God in a light way. I think oftentimes in, in, when God speaks to us, we, we have this perspective of it's a take it or leave it thing. Uh, we think that God makes suggestions. I want you to listen carefully. God doesn't make suggestions. God gives commandments. When God speaks something in our life, it's not whether we like it or don't like it or if we choose to or if we desire to. God is speaking to our good and His glory And we need to treat it in a reverential manner. We live in a day where Christ is presented as being warm and approachable. And I want to thank God publicly that we can approach into the throne room of grace. I'm glad we can have boldness and access through faith in His blood. But that doesn't mean that He's any less God today than He's ever been. And it doesn't mean that His Word is any less mighty and reverential today than it has always been. And we need to treat it with reverence. It ought to be a, listen, it ought to be a, a, a fearful thing when God speaks to us. And I don't mean fear in the sense of terror, but I mean fear in the sense of reverence and respect. When heaven opened up and started to speak to them, they began to listen. Because they understood that God would not do this except He had a very good reason. And yet sometimes when the preaching of the Word of God takes place and God stirs our hearts and convicts us, we treat it as though God is doing it casually. Don't you know that God has never done anything casually? (laughs) He's only ever done anything uh, providentially, not casually. There's nothing that Jesus just happens to do in our life. And so if it was important enough for heaven to reach down and deal with you about it, then it's important enough for you to sit up and listen and respond to it. They were reverential. And then I want you to notice they were regardful. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, I don't really want to notice what's said there. I want to notice the fact that it is said. Because God speaks to them because He knows they're going to take note and, and be, uh, be remembrant, uh, remindful, let me say it that way, mindful of what's being spoken to them. Let me say this. They were regardful with what was given unto them. They stowed it away. They tucked it away. Now, put yourself in this moment, if you can, for just a brief second. Literally, heaven is opened up. The angels are declaring forth glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I mean, God is speaking to them. They are trembling out of fear. And God gives them details regarding what they're going to have to do over the next few hours. 
God understood that even in that condition, they were listening carefully enough that they would remember the details of what he was saying. In other words, they were paying close attention to what was being said. Uh, I'm the type of person that in preaching service, I like for it to be cold. Not spiritually, but geothermally. Amen. And part of that is because I get, I, I, I sweat all the time. Like, it don't matter what, I can peel an orange and break out in a sweat. I just, I sweat all the time. But part of the reason, too, is I found this to be true, and I can see it. I can watch it happen. When it starts to get warm in here, people start to fade. And they start to get sleepy. I think we need to do everything we can to keep that from happening if we can. But let me say this, too. we got to hear, and we got to perceive, and we got to absorb if God's going to deal with us. I don't see that, say that to make light of anybody. I mean, hey, listen, I've had some long nights and come into a place and come even into the house of God, and if I hadn't been preaching, I would have been asleep. Somebody say amen to that. And a few times I wondered if those paths might not cross, but the fact is we do need to give our best to the house of God. And that also means our best attention to what's being said. They were regardful. They were observant beholders. Let me give you a, third, or a second thing. They were obedient hearers. So God speaks to them. Heaven opens. The angel of the Lord comes to them and begins to speak to them. And look what it says in verse number 15. When the angels are done, when heaven is closed up, when the, the vision is passed, the Bible says, and it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, notice this phrase, which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now they did not say, Let's go to Bethlehem and see if this happened. They said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing because we know it has happened. Let me say the first thing they did when God spoke to them is they believed the truth that was conveyed. They believed it. They didn't stop and have conversation with each other and say, hey, you think that really happened? The other fellow came and said, well, I don't know if it really happened. A third person chime in and say, well, I tell you, it's an astounding thing if it really has. Immediately, because heaven was speaking, they believed what was being said. I want to be very, very clear with what I'm about to say here. I don't have authority to speak from heaven. I don't speak ex-cathedra. The, the, the Pope says that he speaks ex-cathedra when he's sitting in St. Peter's Basilica on the big old fancy chair that when he speaks, uh, you know, he, that, that's Jesus speaking. And uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's true for him. I don't believe it's true for me. I don't believe it's true for anybody. Amen? But we do understand this, that God has spoken. And He's spoken and given us this perfect, infallible, and errant King James Bible. And as such, whenever we approach the Word of God, we ought to do it like the church at Thessalonica. They received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, Paul said, the Word of God. They believed it. They embraced it. They saw it as being from heaven on high, as being divine. And I would say this, that listen, when I divert from Scripture, when I deviate from the truth of the Word of God, uh, then my opinion is less than the least of the opinion of men. But when I'm preaching in line with this Word of God, when I'm preaching in line with the truth of God, then we ought to perceive it and deem it and believe it as being from on high, God speaking truth. And as such, we ought to believe it. It's amazing how often... Now listen, there's probably everybody in this room believes in every bit of the narrative of Scripture. We probably believe in the principles of Scripture. We probably believe when, when Scripture touches on history, we believe it's history. When it touches on science, we believe it's science. 
The only time we don't believe the Bible in practice is when it speaks about us. Then we begin to say, well, I don't know if it's really that way, or well, I'm not sure if that's really talking about me, or well, I don't know if God's really dealing with me. And it's funny how we'll do that. We can sooner believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth than we can believe that we're out of line with the truth of Scripture. Stop and think about that for a minute. We can sooner believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We are more willing to readily accept that as truth than we are when the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, this part of your life is wrong. This part of your life is wrong. This thing that you've done is wrong. This thing in your life you need to get rid of. Then we begin to back up on God and say, well, I'm not sure about that. It tells you how dearly we hold the golden calves in our life. We just need to believe the truth of the Word of God. We don't listen. It's not on us to understand every bit on us, uh, every bit of it. It's not on us to even be able to defend every bit of it. But it is the responsibility of every single blood-washed, born-again child of God to believe the Word of God. We ought to do it unapologetically. They believe the truth. Look what it says in verse 15 again. They said to one another, uh, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, I know these shepherds weren't Baptists, and I know it for a lot of reasons, but the primary reason that I see right now is because they didn't want to procrastinate. They said, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. If it had been Baptists, they would have said, well, now wait a minute, let's sit, let's talk about this, let's form a committee, take a few uh, votes, let's get a steering party together to find out what the best route is to take to Bethlehem, and then we'll have a consultant committee come in and discuss what the best possible options are in front of They didn't do that. They said, let us now go, right now. They uh, believed the truth, but they obeyed the truth. You know, the Bible talks about casting your pearls before swine. And it's interesting that, that we believe that preachers ought to be held to that standard of saying we ought not cast our pearls before swine. In other words, when we know something to be divine truth, if we preach it to someone who's unappreciative of it, then uh, they're not going to appreciate it. They're going to turn. They're going to rend us. They're going to treat it as being rocks that have been cast in their direction. And yet we don't perceive God to have that sort of wisdom to interact with humanity that way. We were talking a little bit this morning about Romans chapter number 9 in Sunday school. And I, and I love Romans chapter number 9. I, I love it because that's where all the Calvinists go. And I like to go into Romans 9 and blow up all their heresies and bad doctrine. And uh, when, we, when we are going through Romans chapter number 9, it talks about Pharaoh. The Bible says uh, that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Uh, but the Bible also says that Pharaoh hardened Pharaoh's heart. What do we learn from that? We learn this, that uh, sovereignty and the free will of man are not an either-or prospect. Man can have free will and God can be sovereign. In fact, God's so sovereign, He's not afraid of our free will. He doesn't superimpose His will upon ours. He usurps our will for His glory and for His divine purposes and plans. But I thought it was interesting. The Bible says this about Pharaoh, For this cause, for this reason, have I raised thee up. In other words, God raised up Pharaoh for the express purpose that he understood and knew this, that Pharaoh would not obey the word that was commanded unto him. In other words, God knows whether we're going to obey or not. God knows whether we're going to respond to the truth or not. God knows before we know whether we're going to do that. But as such, God speaks in mercy and grace. By the way, when he dealt with, uh, with Pharaoh, I guess we could say he dealt with him somewhat in mercy 
but he certainly dealt with him in judgment. Why? Because he understood that Pharaoh wasn't going to respond and obey the truth. Hey, listen, he that hath mercy uh, uh, that must show himself a merciful. If we want the mercy of God in our life, we have to be willing to receive and accept the mercy of God in our life. And the way we do that is we obey the truth of the Word of God when it's presented to us. They obeyed. I want to give you a third thought. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I've never been to Bethlehem. I've never been to Israel. I don't know if I'll ever get to go. I don't really know how interested I am in going. One of these days I'm going to go there anyway. Amen? So I've never been hung up on it. I I think it's neat, the idea of going there. My pastor growing up went there 31 times in his life. Uh, They knew him better there than they did down in South Knoxville. And... um, uh, but I've never been there. I don't know a lot about Bethlehem. I don't know how many inns there are. I don't know how many uh, stables, uh, manger scenes there are. But I do understand this. That there was one little piece of truth that was related to these shepherds. And it was back in uh, verse number 12. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. God didn't draw a map for him. God said, he's in Bethlehem and you're going to find him in a manger. And then it was left to them to pursue the truth and find out where he was. In other words, they were obedient hearers in that they believed the truth, they obeyed the truth. But then when there was something to be figured out, they pursued the truth. They didn't throw their hands up and say, well, we don't have all the information. Oh, well. No, when God was trying to tell them something and lead them to something, they figured out a way to get there even when they didn't have the easiest route or the fullest bit of information that they would have preferred to have. So often in our lives, when God's dealing with us, here's what we do. We say, Lord, what are you dealing with me about? And if He don't open heaven and sing praises to you, then we just clam up and say, well, I guess God will let me know when He wants me to know. Don't misunderstand me. God has the ability to speak as clearly as He wants to. But it ever dawned on you that maybe what God's trying to elicit from you is not just obedience to the truth, but pursuit of the truth. Maybe what God's trying to get you to do is dig a little bit, study the Word of God, uh, try to understand and learn the Word of God. Uh, One of the ways that I grew in the Scriptures uh, more than probably any other uh, aspect or perspective that helped me in studying the Word of God, and and I'm weird, I'll go ahead and admit it to you, uh, but when I would find a passage that interested me, that I did not understand, that I didn't know why it was there, I would just search it out and study it out and try to understand. I I believed with all my heart that God doesn't have anything in this King James Bible on accident. And so I'd begin studying and digging and trying to find out and trying to figure out why did God say it this way. And God began to show me truth in the Word of God through doing that. Our problem is we want to walk across and just grab things off the top. Uh, We need to be deep and diligent students of the Word of God. We need to pursue the truth. And if God's dealing with you about something and you're not 100% sure what it is He's dealing with you about, don't quit praying until you know. Don't quit asking until you find out. Don't you remember the parable that the Lord told of the man that goes to his neighbor's home at midnight and uh, the fellow that's in the house, the door is locked and he's in bed and uh, everything's tucked away and the fellow comes to the door, knocks on the door and says, listen, I've had a guest that's come by my house and he's unexpected. I need three loaves of bread. Uh, I I need uh, something that I can set before him. And the fellow that's inside and in bed, he says, hey, listen, I'm in bed for the night. Uh, Go away. Come back another time. But the Bible says his importunity won the day. What does that mean? That means obnoxiousness. Amen. He just kept knocking until finally it was easier for that fellow to get out of bed and to come give him the bread than it was to stay in bed and listen to the knocking. 
And then the Lord Jesus, he, he lays this uh, for contrast compared to how God deems our prayers. And he says, He that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. He says, Hey, listen. If this man was willing, if this if this guy's obnoxiousness won the day with a neighbor, don't you think that our diligence will win the day with God? And it's him that asketh that receiveth. Uh, the prayers, and you've heard me say this, I'm not going to dwell on it, but the prayers that are guaranteed to never be answered are the ones that we never pray. And the truth that are that is guaranteed to never be known is the truth that we'll not listen to and not pursue after. Uh, If we're seeking truth, God will speak truth to our life. Let me give you one final thing. I'm done tonight. They were observant beholders. They were responsible, reverential, and regardful to the truth when it was presented to them. They were obedient hearers. They believed, obeyed, and pursued the truth. And then finally, I want you to notice tonight in verse number 17, the Bible says, When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They were obsessed reporters of the message that had been relayed to them. In other words, God gives truth to those that won't keep it to themselves. We so oftentimes have this perspective that truth is a personal matter. And while God may speak present truth to us and truth that relates to us personally, that does not mean that God won't use us to minister to that same truth into someone else's life. These shepherds, I want you to notice three things about the testimony they gave. Number one, they were prolific in their testimony. They ran around, and the Bible says in verse number 17, they made known abroad. In other words, they didn't just go and tell one person what God was doing in their life. They went and told everybody they could find what God had done in their life. Why do we think we have to keep quiet that God deals with us? I understand there may be some things that are private that God may deal with us about that we may not feel comfortable sharing. But the fact that we have a God that loves us enough to deal with us, hey, that ought to be something that we share with people. We ought to tell people, I've got a God that loves me enough that He convicts me, that He leads me, that He guides me. We ought to make known abroad the saying that God is working in our lives. So many folks are waiting for a theology lesson to teach them and tell them how to win people to Christ I think what these shepherds did was a pretty good start. Uh, They went around and told what God had done in their life. Now listen, I understand it's the Word of God that faith comes by. I understand that it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. But I also understand this too, that God gives us a testimony for a reason, and we ought to share it. We ought to tell people what God has done in our life. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, And all they that heard it, wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were passionate in their testimony. remember hearing a preacher tell a story one time that he was on a long bus trip. And uh, he got seated beside another gentleman, and he began to witness to this individual. And for well over an hour, he witnessed to this fellow and tried to tell him how he could know Christ and tried to tell him all that God had done in his life. And at the end of it, he said something very remarkable. And it's always stuck with me. The preacher I heard tell it was the preacher that it happened to. He was the one witnessing. And he said this fellow turned and looked at him and said this. He said, I don't believe what you're telling me, but I believe you believe what you're telling me. The Bible says they wondered at what was said. It doesn't say they believed what was said. It says they wondered at what was said. Do you know why they wondered? Because they could sense and see and discern the conviction and sincerity and passion of these shepherds. I sort of believe they probably looked at it this way. 
I don't know what happened to those shepherds in that field there near Bethlehem. But I know something happened to those shepherds in that field near Bethlehem. We can't make people believe us, but we can make people believe that we believe it. We can't force people to trust and to accept Christ, but we can live and testify in such a way that they'd have to be the epitome of dense to dismiss that what's in our lives is genuine. They were passionate. They were excited. When was the last time you got excited about Jesus Christ? And when was the last time you got excited to another person about Jesus Christ? When was the last time you just had to bubble over and look at somebody and say, hey, let me tell you about the goodness of God in my life. Let me tell you what's happened in my life. What were they telling? Hey, uh, they didn't go and preach a big, long theological message. And by the way, you know, when I say these things, I'm not against theology. I'm not against the teaching, the truth, the Word of God. I'm not against doctrine. I've heard a lot of people say, well, that doctrine, it's bad stuff. Well, this whole Bible is profitable for doctrine. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. I'm I'm not against that, but I am saying this. There's something to be said for simply giving the personal testimony, the experiential witness of what God's done in our lives. Oftentimes, that's where the passion comes from. Take it from somebody that preaches a lot. It's a lot easier to get excited about what God's doing in my life than it is to get excited about some abstract theological truth. They were passionate. And then finally, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They were perpetual in their testimony. They didn't go and say, all right, this is what happened to us. Now I've done my duty. I wash my hands of you. Good luck. It's on you now. And walk away. All the way back to that field, they're shouting and leaping and rejoicing and glorifying God for what He had done. What happened to them, listen carefully, stuck with them. What happened to them stuck with them. When was the last time the Word of God stuck with you? When was the last time you opened your heart and opened your ears so much to God that He spoke a truth about your life that stuck with you that when you woke up on Monday morning, God was still dealing with you about it? That when the next Sunday come around, you still stirred about it? I'm saying this, God desires to deal with us this way. If we'll be open to truth and if we'll listen and if we'll perceive and if we'll do this very simple thing, and I'm going to say this and be done, if we will place ourselves in the examination room of God's Word. You've heard me make this statement before. One of the most prolific times in my life as far as my spiritual growth was a period of time when I was a teenager that I... I and I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know if a preacher said something that made this occur to me. I don't know if God just was working in my life. But for whatever reason, it stuck in my mind that I'm going to start listening to every sermon like God is speaking straight to me. And I'm going to ask myself... How could what's being preached apply to my life? You have to understand something. My, my pastor, when I was this age, my pastor was well on up in years. Uh, he, he, he liked to tell stories. Amen. Uh, he had everything that happened in life. He had a story to go along with it. And we knew most of them. Amen. And we could tell them. He was not at that point in his life the most relevant individual for a 15-year-old boy to be listening to. We have this idea sometimes, like we need to change cultural Christianity or change the culture of Christianity to make it relevant to young people. 
But I found this, that the same God that loves me is the same God that loves them. The same Bible that's powerful in my life is the same Bible that can be powerful in their life. We don't need to change Jesus to make Him culturally relevant. We need to get our hearts in a condition that He can change them to make them spiritually relevant to Him. And as a 15-year-old child, I just began to ask this question, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you telling me? What are you trying to get across to me? And you know what I found? That every single time I went into the house of God, didn't matter what the preacher was preaching on, God spoke to me. It may have been something big and life-changing and transformative, or it may have been something small. But that did more for my spiritual walk when I began to realize how alive God was because every time I asked Him to speak, He spoke. Every time I asked Him to move, He moved. And I began to grow in my walk with God. Listen, we need to have our hearts open to the Word of God. And part of what that means is saying, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? Running over the points in, their, in your mind saying, am, am I an observant beholder? Am I, uh, listen, am I in the right position and, and heart's condition for God to deal with me? Or, or making sure we're an obedient hearer and saying, Lord, when you deal with me, do I believe what you say about my life personally? Do I obey what's being said? Do I seek you if I don't understand what's going on? And being an obsessed reporter and sharing the truth of what God's done in your life, can, can any of us honestly say, and I'm not asking for a raise of hands, but can any of us honestly say in our lives we're testifying of God's goodness as much as we ought to be? Only when we get our hearts in God's examination room will God begin to shine a light in us. We need to have our hearts and minds open. Why the shepherds? Because the shepherds listened. When and why will God speak to us? When and because we listen. I hope your heart and mind is open to this truth tonight. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Uh, Miss Connie's going to come play for us tonight. But I, listen, this, this altar is open. And you know you don't have to wait for the first note to be played. If God has dealt with you tonight, would you be an obedient hearer? Would you obey the truth that God has spoken to you? Maybe you don't quite understand what God's doing in your heart. Well, would you pursue the truth? Would you find a place in this altar and say, Lord, I don't know what you're saying to me or what you're dealing with me about, but God, I want to know, I want to understand, I want to have my heart submitted. Or maybe you just know in your life that you've not had the testimony that you should have had in the past days or weeks or months or maybe even years. And you want to have a better testimony for Him. Whatever it is that God's dealt with you about, I'm going to pray. I want you to come right now.